0: All right. Good morning. Once again, morning. once again. All right. Hey, inside your program, you'll find a, um, a uh, outline to follow along it says 30 day church challenge. So we've been doing a church challenge for 30 days now or for uh, three weeks. And so each of the weeks we have a little devotional that will help you uh, go through the week and little questions to ask yourself and to apply the, the text to your life that uh, you will become more obedient, more uh, uh, obedient in your walk with Christ, all right? Well, today we're going to talk about serving in the body of Christ. So, you picked a great Sunday to come. You're all excited about that, right? Yes. Right? So, so let me just kind of paint a picture for you guys, so you guys kind of understand, and maybe some of you can remember the emotions and the feelings. Um, for, a fo- for For people who are far from God, or people who haven't been involved in church, or maybe they're not even a Christ follower at this point, to come into a church is a big step. There's a lot of fear in that. You know, they're not sure what to expect, they're not sure what they're going to do, they're not sure if they're going to be asked to say something, they're not sure... You know, if they know the secret handshake, if, you know, what's going to happen, right? And and so none of us like to go to new places. That's why you go to the same restaurants all the time, because you're used to it, right? And there was a time where you kind of walked in like this, and as time goes on, you become a little more free with it. So, So let me just paint a picture for you, because Sunday is, the Lord's Day is the greatest day of the week. You agree with that? Right? It's a, it's a day where not Friday. Friday, you know, payday, the weekend's almost here. That's not the greatest day of the week. The greatest day is Sunday because we're refocused, refreshed, revived in our, in our spiritual journey, right? So, so you come into worship and you kind of get a sh- little head shake here, a little, what are you thinking? Get, get your life straight, look at Jesus. And then we send you out and you fight for another week. Yeah. Right? And then you come back and we do the same thing. Yeah. Right? All right, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, oh, <laughs> I need y'all yeah, more shaking, that's right, I'm going to come down and I'm going to lay hands on some of you, you know what I'm saying, all right, uh, so so let's imagine that a person gets invited to church, they're going through a difficult time, they're having, you know, heartaches and heart pains in their life for, you know, for various reasons, whatever the case may be, and they, they come into church, right? And the idea, because the vast majority of people come to Christ on Sunday in a church setting. Okay, the vast majority of people come to Christ on Sunday in a church setting. And so you walk in to the lobby, and you got smiling faces, right? The greeters are smiling, right? Were there, were your greeters smiling today? Yes. All right. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> write their name down, look at their badge, write their name down, badge 305, he was grumpy today, all right, and we'll get rid of him tomorrow. So so they walk in, they're welcomed, they're greeted, maybe they walk to the information table, they're not really sure where to go, they ask, hey, we have preschoolers, where do we, where do we send them? We have children, we have youth, whatever the case is, they're given some direction, some guidance, hey, the preschool's here, they sign in, blah, 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 right, the kids go back into those areas, they're taken care of, they learn about Christ, they're They're well taken care of, Mom and Dad or Mom or Dad, whatever the case may be, comes into the adult service, right? They hear a great band, right? Eric does a great job. You can clap that 's all right. It's like, shh, be quiet, Jesus is here, all right so So you know, you hear a great song set, then I come out. <laughs> We're working on that part, so anyway, just kiss, keep rolling with me, and, and so God touches their heart. Their life has completely changed. The direction of their families changed. In my case, when I came to Christ, uh, the vast majority of my f- extended family weren't Christ followers. My wife's family was not Christ followers. And through the next 10 or 15 years, uh, they gave their lives to Christ. Their lives began to change. And I think that that's kind of the, you know, the pebble in the lake thing. As, as a person comes to Christ, it ripples into the other family members' lives. And they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you kind of step it back and you go, well, well, why is that? Well, because on a Sunday they came in and they were well cared for. They were welcomed. They are loved. They are encouraged. The songs were great. The message was eh, okay. And the people were wonderful, right? And, and that changes. And what we've learned about folks who come to know Christ is it usually takes five to seven times for them to come into a church setting before they end up giving their life to Christ, and specifically adults, right? And, you know, it's a a little bit of a process in which they're processing God's working in their heart, and they're processing the whole thing, and they're not really sure, and it takes time. And So it's one thing to get them here once, then you want them to come back again and again and again and again. And the body of Christ plays a huge, huge, and I can't underestimate it, huge role in the process, right? And and so today we're going to talk about serving in the body of Christ. In a couple of weeks we're going to talk about sharing our faith in the world, in the mission part of going and making disciples. But today we're going to talk about how the body of Christ is to function and care for each other. If you have your uh, outline, you can open it up. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be bouncing around, so just run with me the best you can. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is a verse that we've been looking at. It is the picture of the New Testament church. It's the purest version of the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2. The church is given birth, the day of Pentecost. And so here we find a description of what's taking place in the body of Christ. It says they, were, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer, verse 43. Everyone was filled in awe and many wondrous and miraculous signs were were done by the apostles. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with grumpy and unsincere hearts. Oh, they're glad to hang out together with glad and sincere hearts, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily, those who are going to be saved. So, so you can just jot down on the side there in the margin there, write the word cooperation, because the body of Christ in Acts chapter two, the purest version of the New Testament church, they were cooperating together. They were willing to, to meet the needs of other people. They had some goods. They had some things. They were were willing to sell it. They met together, not with grumpy uh, attitudes, but with glad and sincere hearts. There was a sense of cooperation together. The body of Christ ought to be cooperating together. You with me on that one? All right. Now look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I'm going to lay a foundation, and we're going to look at the ministry of Christ. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 2.10, he said, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do selfish works. To do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. All right, so just pause. So you were created by God to do good works. You were created by God to serve God. You were saved if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've given your heart to Christ as Lord and Savior. You were saved to serve. So you were created by God to serve and you were saved in a spiritual sense. You were saved to serve. All right. So God has given you what we call shape. All right. And you see in your outline and through the devotion this week, I'll ask you in the devotion. I ask questions to kind of help you to get to that. Uh, point of figuring out what's going on in your spiritual life so he's given you a spiritual gifts if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you have at least one gift are you with me all right uh, letter H is your heart what are you passionate about if you could and I have a question there if you didn't have to worry about getting paid what is the one thing that you would want to do for the kingdom of God right letter A is abilities you got abilities Huh? You got chops? Huh? Sure, you got abilities, right? And then uh, le- uh, letter P, personality. Boy, do you got a personality. Right? So you are detail-oriented, maybe visionary person, introvert, extrovert, right? You've got personality traits in your life, and if you don't know them, just ask your spouse. They already know them. All right? And then letter E is experiences. Good, bad, and, and, and different experiences that you have in life. So God has created you, to serve, you are saved to serve, and he has given you a shape in your life to serve for his kingdom, all right, are we following so far, are we following so far, all right. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says this, each one should use whatever gift, singular, so you have at least one, uh, uh, that he has received, okay, for what reason? To serve others. And how am I to serve? Faithfully. Right? Do we, are we following so far? So he says, each one of you have given a gift, and that gift is given to you to serve others, and you are to be faithful in it, administrating God's grace. Circle those two words, God's grace. That is not saving grace. That is not the good news. That means joy, delight, pleasure, sweetness, charm. Okay, so you have been given a gift by God to serve other people faithfully, administrating joy, delight, pleasure, sweetness, charm, and it goes on in various forms, or actually means in many colors. Are we following so far? All right, so you're created by God, you're saved by God to serve, and you are to be using your gifts To serve other people. So here's what we come across from time to time. We'll have a person who will say. You know what? I want to serve God. I just don't want to serve people. (laughs) Right? So here it is. Alright? It is impossible to serve God. Unless you serve people. Okay? It is impossible to serve God. Unless you serve people. Just as the vast majority of times, if not 99.9% of the time, God will use another person to meet your needs, so will God use you to meet someone else's needs, right? So you cannot say, well, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go away to some cave in who knows what country, and I'm going to go to some type of a monk thing going on, and we're going to do some chanting and whatever the case may be, and I'm going to serve God. Folks, it is impossible to serve God unless you're willing to serve other people. Okay? It is absolutely impossible. So the main idea in your outline is this. We serve God by serving others, and we call that ministry. Okay? Are you with me okay? All right? Now, here's what happens when we hear, hear the word ministry. When we hear the word ministry, we think of a minister. Right, and you think, hey, that's what we got you for, Pastor Dan. You're the minister. Do the ministry, right? At some churches, and I consult with some churches, and there is the mindset that the, they hired a CEO, a pastor, and the congregation is the shareholders, and the shareholders dictate to the CEO what he is to do. Unfortunately, that is a business model. That is not a church model. Okay. The way it works in church is God touches a man's heart to become a pastor. The body of Christ affirms the calling in that person and they affirm it in the sense of bringing them into and they trust that God is going to speak to the leader or leaders in some cases and he is going to get the vision, the direction, the plan that God has for the body of Christ. He is going to equip the body of Christ or the pastors are going to equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. Okay, the pastor is the ad minister. The folks, the believers in Jesus Christ, what we call the laity, they are the ministers. Are you tracking so far? Yes. All right. So <clears throat> we don't have four pastors. We have seven hundred pastors. Amen. Welcome to the ministry you want a business card so when we think of ministry don't don't think it's 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 you know the pastor's responsibility but think of it as the people our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry you're created by God to serve you're saved by God to serve right and so so our job as ministers is to equip to encourage to to help model what it is to serve in the kingdom. Look with me in, in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. How many Christ followers we have in the house? Okay. Well, by the end of the day. The, uh, those you. Who, some of you. You tell me privately. You're like Dan. I don't like the raising the hand part. Because I just know you're going to like dupe us into something. All right. So. That's good. I'm glad you're paying attention. All right. So here we go. Just as the son of man did not come to be served. But to what? And you want to know how he served? The verse goes on and it tells us. What did he do? He laid his life down. There is your job description. If you are a Christ follower, that's your job description right there. We say that we are Christ. We don't use the word Christian because everyone in America is a Christian, right? And you look at their life, you're like, really? I'm not sure what Christ you're following. But anyway, so we are Christ followers. And so we are to be in the same mind, the same heart, the same will of God. And we're to have that in our life. We're to be obedient to him. And so Jesus is our model. And he comes along and he says, the son of man didn't come to be served. Now, just, just imagine this. This is a guy who's walking around and everyone's saying, that's the Son of God. That's the Son of God. That's the Messiah. That's the Lord of Lords. That's the King of Kings. And he comes out and he goes, yeah, that's my, that's my title, but here's the deal. I don't want you to serve me. I'm going to serve you, right? And you could imagine how that would just take everything and turn it completely upside down as they scratch their head. No, 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 we're here to serve you. He says, no, I'm going to set the example, right? I'm going to set the example for you, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to go to the extent of giving my life as a ransom for you. So as believers, we're created by God to serve. We're saved by God to serve. He gives us a job description, and then he takes it a step further. He gives us some lessons. Look with me in your outline. Lessons from Jesus, number one. Jesus stated that one of the reasons for his existence was to serve. You wonder, well, why did he come? Well, he states one of his reasons that he came to this earth was to model servanthood. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And we find that in three of the Gospels. And to give his life as a ransom for many, right? And so there is... is a picture or a model of what we are to be as Christ followers, we're to recognize that Jesus said his very existence, or at least one of the reasons for his very existence, was to serve other people. And if we're going to be a Christ follower, then we ought to serve other people. Number two is Jesus stated that significance and meaning in life are connected in serving or to serving, right? The world thinks completely different. Would you agree with that? The world is always shopping for meaning and purpose in life. Jesus says, if you want to know why you were born, if you want to know why you exist, it's pretty simple. Worship me with all your heart and, worship the folk, or, and serve the folks around you. There's your purpose, right? That's your purpose in life. You're to worship God with all your heart and you're to reach out and you're to serve the people who are around you in your life. And so that significance and meaning is connected to servanthood. We think in our world, if you look at the world's value system, if you want to know what success is, success is how many people serving them. Right? Isn't it true? So you oh, I got this, and I got that, and I got five of those, and four of these, and everyone goes, wow, you're successful. Jesus goes, no, that isn't success. If you want to be successful, be a servant. Then you'll be successful. But if if you go around and have everyone working for you, that's not what servanthood is all about. And of course, the world scratches their head and wonders. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, uh, he asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? Verse uh, 34, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the what? Greatest. Right. Who was the greatest? And so then Jesus does them halftime next week's the Super Bowl. Right. He does the halftime Newt Rockney speech. The team had just played the first half horrible. They were getting blown out. Everyone was walking around going, I want the ball. I want the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. I want to be the person I want to do. it!" Right. Everyone wanted to be the main person. And Jesus says, hey, what were you guys talking about? He's like, oh, we weren't talking about anything, Lord. And he's like, "Ah, oh, you were. You were. So he goes in verse uh, 35, sitting down. And by the way, that, that is uh, when a rabbi would sit down at the head of the table, he was taking, uh, he was taking the position of authority. He was speaking on behalf of God. Okay? So when a rabbi would sit down, that was like, hey, this is the master teacher is going to tell you something pretty significant. So Jesus sitting down, he called the twelve. Now notice it's not all of them, it's this core group of people. He calls the twelve and he says, You wanna be great? Here's the way it works. If anyone wants to be first, you're running around going, Gimme the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. If you want to be first, you must be the what? The very last. Not the last, but the very last. And the servant of of all. You want greatness in your life? Jesus says, here it is. Be the very last. And be a servant to all. You're created by God to serve. You're saved by God to serve. Jesus sets the model. He gives us the lessons as God in the flesh comes to this earth. And he begins to model it for us to see. You see in your outline, we've looked at this word a couple times, follow, where Jesus talks about following him, it means the same way with, so we're to have the same mind, the same heart, the same will, the same passions of Christ in our life as we follow behind. John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, whoever serves me must what? Follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. Now watch this last part, <clears throat> my father will honor the one who serves? Do so you hear the key word in church life is favor? I want God's favor in my life. You want to know how you get favor? Serve. That's what that verse says. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't want to. I just want to worship the Lord. But Jesus says you can't have it because unless you're going to serve, you can't be honored. So He connects. Honor with service, right? Now, if we just hit the pause button, and some of you step back and you just kind of take an inventory of your spiritual life, and you wonder why you, you may not be hitting on all cylinders spiritually in your life, let me just ask you this. Are you serving? Because if the answer is no, then you're being disobedient. You're created to serve. You're saved to serve. Jesus sets the example to serve. He says, favor comes from serving. So if we're not serving, then we're missing it. We're missing the the, the point in it. So then there's the huge question. What stops us from serving? What stops us from serving? Mark 9, verse 30. A verse we've looked at, so let's look at it again in a different context here. They left that place, they passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, verse 31, because he was teaching his So it wasn't, this wasn't a message for the outsiders. This was a message to the believers. Are we tracking okay? Yes. And he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. Then. Gives us the Easter story. And after three days, he will raise, right? Now, just kind of pause. So Jesus is saying to them, the one who they've left everything to follow. They've left their families, their profession, they left everything they had to follow the Messiah. And he just says, hey guys, they're going to kill me and I'm going to be raised in three days. Now, he told them that several times. They kind of scratched their head. They weren't completely sure of what exactly it, it meant in verse 32. And they, uh, uh, but they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask it. Now, in Matthew's gospel, it says they were grieved deeply, right? So, so Jesus tells them, hey, they're going to kill me. I'm going to be raised in three days, right? Now, here to me is the humorous part of, of this gospel account. The next thing they began to do is to argue about who's going to be greater. So, and this may be a stretch, and I don't mean to be, you know, uh, 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 make light of of life and death in a light way, but this would be like, you know, your great-great-granddaddy, right, coming to you and saying, hey, the doctors say, I got like a week. And you go, can I get your pickup? Right? Now <laughs> you ask, Well, Pastor Dan, has that ever happened in your ministry? And the answer to that is yes, it has. Actually, almost that same story, right? But but everyone scratches their head and goes, That is like crazy. How could someone be so cold hearted and so selfish that someone says, Hey, my time is limited, and the next thing out of your mouth is, Hey, do I get your inheritance? Right? This is what the disciples did. Jesus says, they're going to kill me. I'm going to raise in three days. And they're like, I'm greater. Who's greater? I'm greater. I'm the greatest. Verse 32. They did not understand what he meant. And they were afraid to ask. Verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, Hey guys, what were you arguing on the way? But they kept quiet. Because on their way, they argued about who was the greatest? Sitting down, Jesus collected the 12, get them all together, and he says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last. Now let me just pause. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the scriptures teach us that your past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. That he will never leave you nor forsake you, that regardless of what you go through this life, that God's hand and God's spirit will be with you and in you during those difficult times. That that he's never going to do a rug job and cut and run on you. He's going to be faithful. He's going to seek you. He's going to love you unconditionally with his amazing grace. Right? Are we following so far? Right? The reality is... If all we got was forgiveness of our sins and a home in heaven when we died, the reality is God shouldn't or doesn't have to do anything else for us. Would you agree with that? Right? So when you think about serving, just think about all that he has done. And it isn't just your forgiveness of sin and someday when you die you're going to go to heaven. There is promises all through scripture all through scripture, that's for you as a believer. And yet when it comes to serving, it's like we're so inward looking at ourselves. And so if I can say it to you, selfish, it blows my mind. Number one, reason why we don't serve, is because we're self-centered. You agree with that? The enemy of compassion is busyness, right? The enemy of compassion is busyness because we have our plan, our agenda. It's our time, right? Everything is me, I. And when it comes to serving him, as long as it fits into your schedule, (laughs) you're willing to do it. Like you're doing him a favor, are we following so far? Yeah. Pretty harsh, aren't you, Pastor Dan? Hey, I'm just laying it out. True, I'm a, you know don't shoot the mailman for bringing the bills. You bought the stuff, right? <laughs> Number two, is because we're unavailable. You agree with that? <clears throat> Matthew chapter uh, twenty, verse thirty. Two blind men were sitting on the side of the road, and when they heard Jesus was coming, they shouted out. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 31, the crowd rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 32, Jesus turned his face the other way and walked right past him. What did he do? He stopped. Right? He stopped. Do you recognize that the vast majority of miracles of Jesus of healing people It was never that he was going to heal someone. He was healing them on his way to some other place. The first miracle, water to wine. It wasn't what he was there for. He was there because there was a wedding. And there was a need in the wedding. They needed to turn the water into wine right? Jesus makes himself available, whether it be miracles of healing people, or whether it be just miracles of supernatural things that he does to nature and so forth, he does. And it's never because he was going there, he was always asked to stop to do it. So this is probably not how your life works, but I'm guess this is how my life works. I sit down in my room and uh, my office on whatever day I come in, you know, and pray, Lord, I just want you to use me today. And God taps me on the so- shoulder and he says, okay, you got your Outlook open up, you got your smartphone, yeah. Okay, well, today at 12.08, when you go to the burrito shop, there's going to be a need there, okay? And so just go ahead and input it into your Outlook. 12.08, there's going to be a need there. So I get in my car, I drive over to the burrito place, walk in, and all of a sudden my smartphone goes, I look at it and goes, "Oh, I got to meet someone's need today." All right. Oh, there you are. So I walk over and I meet the person's need. Is that how God works in your life? No, no here's how it works for me, right? I got 10,000 things to do. Yeah. Right? I'm going to the burrito shop because they can make a burrito in like 5 nanoseconds. And I'm in a hurry, and I can eat it as I'm driving, right? And so I can go, and I can, if you will, knock out three birds with one stone, and that's what I'm here for, right? Work smarter, not harder, or whatever that thing is. And so I drive there, I park the car. Sometimes I leave the keys in the ignition. That's an inside joke for our staff guys. And so I, I run in there, right? And I ordered my burrito, carne asada burrito, whole beans, no rice, no cheese, please, no guacamole, no sour cream, all right? And I'm waiting, and uh, no, and then they say, whatever, siete, oto, whatever. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? They're 29, right? And so I walk over there and, whoa, come on. It's a Mexican restaurant. What do you expect them to say, right? So uh, <laughs> he's with me. After it's over, let's go. <laughs> hey, after church, we're going to take a love offering. Burritos burritos are six bucks, so we need 12 bucks between the two of us. (laughs) So here's how it works, right? It never works that way. I'm going 100 miles an hour, right? And all of a sudden, God drops an opportunity in my lap. And here, let's just have a large confession here. And I usually step over the person to get to my burrito because I'm in a hurry. I got things to do. Now, granted, I just spent time in my office saying, Lord, use me today. But that's not, that's not the issue. So you step over the person and go, oh, I didn't make eye contact with them. Therefore, I'm not responsible, right? And then, and then come on, and then you're spiritual. You kind of go, Lord, bless them. And then you just kind of, <laughs> right? And you pray for some other spiritual genius to come along and meet their needs. Come on, right? Isn't that how it works? It's exactly how it works. Because the reality is... We're not available in our life because we want our own schedule, our own time. It's our life, Lord. And if you can fit me into your schedule, use me. But folks, that isn't the way it works. God drops the opportunities in our life and drops them into our laps. And he steps back and he asks, are you going to be obedient? And if we step over, if we do one of these things, and think, now I'm not saying give every guy a dollar on the corner. That's not what I'm saying. If God prompts you, you need to be obedient to that. Right? But you've got to be sensitive to the Spirit to speak to you, to make to, to, to make the connection with it. But we're so 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 self-centered and so unavailable, and we wonder, God, why aren't you using us? Right? You're created to serve, you're saved to serve. Jesus modeled it. He, he painted the picture of being a giver of life. He made himself available. There was a time in your life, and if you're an adult, you came to Christ later in life, the vast majority, me included, was because there was a crisis in my life. And there was a, there was a crisis in my life, and it was like, God, help me. And God said, I'm busy, Dan. He said, I'm glad you looked my way right So they call out Jesus stops John 14 verse 15 says this If you what is the word love. love me you will obey what I've commanded If you love Christ you'll be devoted to service Because there's no other way You can't love Christ without serving other people It's impossible You can spend it however you want to at the end of the day, but the reality is if you love Christ, you'll serve other people. And today we're looking specifically inside the church, the body. Two weeks from now, we'll talk about outside, but today we're just looking at inside. Again, the vast majority of people who come to know Christ come to know Christ on Sunday morning. There's a need in their life, there's a crisis in their life, there's something in their life that brings them to church. And they come with fear, and it's the greeters, the ushers, the preschool workers, the children, the, the student ministry leaders who watch over the worship team, right? In fact, studies say that in the first three to seven minutes in church, the person has already decided whether they're going to come back or not. Long before anything happens up here, they've already decided whether they fit in or not, right? Right? And that's where you guys come in. Your fingerprints are on the lives of the preschoolers, the children, the youth, the adults. And there's a sense of cooperation that needs to take place in the body of Christ on Sunday because it's the greatest day of the week. It's the Lord's Day. It's where we're refocused, right? refreshed, rebalanced on the Lord's Day. So you look with me in your outline. Prayer, Lord, I want to put you first and make myself available. Perhaps that's a prayer for all of us this week. I want to fill in the blank there. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for short-term opportunities. Look for long-term opportunities. Look for ASAP. Help, Mr. Wizard, we're drowning here. Opportunities. So now let me share it with you, and we're going to wrap up. Inside your program is a yellow sheet of paper, and it's a get-plugged-in sheet of paper. All right? And I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to go for the big ask, A-S-K, for those of you who are counting. On this page is the vast majority of ministries that are needed primarily on Sunday. You say, well, why Sunday? Because it's Sunday, that's where the vast majority of the people show up on Sundays, right? And so let's just kind of go through some of them. You have the information table, that's the folks that answer questions for new folks who come in. They're asking where things might be and all that kind of stuff. And that's a little cabinet that's on wheels there, a little L-shaped thing. You have the greeters, those are the folks at the door who have a big smile on their face, right? They're welcoming you all, right? You have the ushers. Those are the folks who hand out the programs uh, as you come into the auditorium here. Registration table. That's the uh, place where families check in their preschoolers and their children for both preschool where the three computers are and the one going in the back. Uh, snack corner. Let's hear it for the donuts. Some of you are in right now a sugar coma, so you're half asleep. So you have the folks who work in the, in the coffee corner area. Preschool ministry. Right, and folks, this is a huge ministry in our church, right? It's a huge ministry. Just to kind of let you know, uh, 12, about 13% of our attendance is preschoolers, 13% is in our student ministry, and 25% of it is in our children's ministry, right? So we have a very young church, which is great. And so there's a lot of ministries that take place that aren't happening here. And so we have preschool. Uh, ministry that takes place uh, during the week. This is one of the weekday things that there's the the toys that are cleaned and they come and wipe them down with uh, t- gasoline and turpentine. <laughs> you listening? All right. <laughs> like whoa, I'll do that. They come out all high anyway. <laughs> Tuesday staff meeting, pastor. We have like 900 people who want to clean toys on Tuesdays. <laughs> It's the only time we can get high in church, and it's legal. (laughs) Just kidding. They wipe it with little Clorox things. (laughs) Uh, Children's ministry, Pastor Dan in the back. That's the Ridge Kids, a great ministry. Uh, And that's also not only just Sunday morning, but there's midweek stuff, and there's Vacation Bible School. There's a small description. Student ministry, everyone loves students, but no one wants to serve in that ministry. Okay, I'm being honest with you. It's a great ministry. You get mad at teenagers walking down and they're disrespectful and punks. Invest in their life. Change them. How you like that? All right, the worship team and the tech team, which they do a great job if you play an instrument or sing or dance or whatever. Just do that. The reset team, that's where every once in a while you come up and press Dan's reset button and then I remember where the message at is. That's the folks who work in between services and they clean up the auditorium. Here's some new teams to pay attention to. Care team, uh, that's folks who uh, we're gonna, I'm going to train. the will work directly with me to do uh, hospital visits as well as call on folks who are sick or who've had surgery. And so if you're interested in, in that kind of stuff, you can sign up for that. Next step group is a team that will take care of folks who uh, become Christ followers or they have spiritual questions. And you, again, I'll train you in that area. As well, and following up with them so you can help them on their spiritual journey. Impact team—that's uh, a group of people that we're going to send out this year early on uh, to go out and find some needs in the community, and then as a put together a, a plan, and then as a church-wide go and attack those uh, those needs in the community. All right. So we're looking for planners and plotters. We're not looking for ideas for someone else to do. Got me? Yes. All right. And then the Lord's Supper team. There's a group. uh, There there is it. We'd like to get a group of people about once a quarter when we do the Lord's Supper. It's typically a Saturday, uh, for about an hour and a half or so to help set up the uh, Lord's Supper plates and get them all ready. And so, if you're interested in any of those, we're probably going to do this this week and next week. All right. But if you're interested in any of these, you can sign up, drop it in the offering bag. If you have more questions as we get ready to leave here, uh, there'll be some folks on the tables. You can ask them questions to help you. kind of sort through it, and uh, get plugged in. If you try something and it's not for you, you are not signing a long-term lease agreement, all right? If you try it, it's not for you, that's fine. But there is a place for you to serve, and we want to make sure that we find that uh, place for you to get plugged in, all right? So we're going to end a little early. (laughs) Not so you could leave, so that you can spend some time looking over this. And asking questions at the table. And I'm going to stand at the door. They're already locked. <laughs> and one of your wheels on your car has been taken off. Okay? So you're going nowhere. So just hang out with us and, and uh, get plugged in. All right, worship team, where are you guys at? You guys go ahead and make your way up here. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather as a, as a body of believers, the Ecclesia. And Lord, what a privilege it is to know that as we use our time, our talents, our personality, our spiritual gifts that you've implanted in us, that we're not doing it for ourselves. That we are literally investing in things that matter to Christ. And to know, Lord, that the investments that we're making last for all eternity. And what a privilege it is and what a blessing it is to know that what we do here, even if it's a glass of water, is not in vain. And, Father, we're so grateful that you give us an opportunity to serve your kingdom, that we find meaning and purpose in what you were to have us to do. And, Father, I pray that you'll touch the hearts of everyone who's here today, that we'll get involved, we'll get plugged into a ministry, that will serve you, that will make a difference in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... No, you said,